then there started to be a lot of shipping going over and that's when we saw the big convoys going like 160 was the biggest I told you but lots of them were 90 and the and the Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth were in and out of Halifax fast uh, they they would go their speed would run between 20 and 25 knots so they could really make it overseas in about five to seven days and then just unload and come right back and pick up another and go back. So we knew that, you know, something really big was coming and it was D-Day and everything. And there were a lot of hospital ships coming and a lot of ordinary ships had turned, been turned into hospital ships. So there were a lot of casualties coming and the hospital ships did travel by themselves without escort. And I often thought, you know, they're really brave and I hope those subs respect them. But I never did hear about a submarine sinking a hospital ship. They did oblige that rule. Anyway, then the end of the war came. And that was in 1945. We just couldn't believe it. I can't remember exactly how we knew B-Day had happened. I guess I was on duty and the and the... A message came through that the war was over in Europe and that there was going to be an armistice signed. It was very exciting, you know, we were just so thrilled and wasn't, wasn't this wonderful and what happened was Halifax made a terrible mistake. They shut all the restaurants, they closed down the canteens and the barrack blocks, uh, like in the men's quarters particularly the navies, and uh, to keep the men in barracks. They didn't want them celebrating by getting drunk and raising hell. They got out. They went over to Olin's Brewery, and they broke into the brewery. Everywhere you looked, you saw sailors carrying a box of beer or some kind of liquor. They broke into the liquor commissions. That day, I finished work at five, and I had then three days off, and I had booked into the Waverly House, which was on Barrington Street, which is the main street in Halifax. And uh, I went in, and Mrs. Taylor said, um, I think we're going to ask for some service police around here because I suspect this is going to turn into something pretty ugly. There's a lot of drunk sailors around, and she said, and you could see them I mean, staggering around, you know. It got to be so bad that from the bedroom window that she put me in, I sat there and I looked, and across the street was a tailor who used to make what they called tiddly outfits for Navy people who wore them when they went home on leave, and they were much nicer, tailored, beautiful wool, uh, and fit tight as could be, but he, they charged like crazy. They broke into his place and ransacked it. They broke into every store along Barrington Street. I don't recall whether they got into Eaton's or not, but I know they went into the jewelry stores, the liquor commission. They broke into the um, into Norman's, which had all they always felt had overcharged them and just completely wrecked it. And then some of the things were almost 
when you look back on them, except that you were terrified about, like, there's nothing worse than watching a riot. People that are out of control and drunk. Airmen, soldiers, sailors, and of course, then they start to fight each other. And it was really quite scary. I was up on the third floor and I thought, if they break into this building, I'm hiding under the bed, you know? And I was glad. I, I Actually, I had a date for that night, but of course that didn't happen. Some of the things were quite humorous. One guy broke into a, a dress shop, a ladies' dress shop, and he got a mannequin out on the sidewalk and he stripped her and he trying, was trying to make love to her. It was really sad. I mean, it was funny, but he was drunk and was a woman, as far as he was concerned. And I never saw anybody so frustrated. And then, <laughs> then there was a, a group of sailors that came along, and they all had, uh, they had been to the booze store. That's where they had broken into, because that was just around the corner from where they had come. And they opened the box, one of the boxes that they had, and it was wine. And they didn't want wine, they wanted whiskey. And they took the bottles one by one and threw them across the street, trying to hit buildings. You know, it was it was just, they were out of... And in the middle of all this were civilians. And they were just as bad as the service people. They were looting, and they knew where to loot. And I suspect they mostly, the sailors and everything, were after people who had gouged them, or booze. The civilians were after jewelry and things like that. We, I saw a lady running past where I was living or staying. She had a baby carriage and she had it full of stuff and she was running with this baby carriage ahead of her. After that, you know, after all this VE day was settled, well, of course, then immediately along came the state trucks with the armed um, service policemen, and they started just throwing the guys into the state truck, you know, picking them up and throwing them in. Most of them couldn't stand up anyway. And next door to us was the YM, and that whole lawn was covered with drunks. And all they wanted to do was sleep. I mean, they'd had their fun, and they'd broken every window there was. It was, and and they didn't come near us. Well, of course, because there were service police in front. It was, it was awful. I don't ever want to see a riot again. It was terrible, and a lot of them were cut from the glass, you know, of the windows they had broken, and they didn't even know it, and they would be walking along with blood trailing out of their hands and it was it was scary terrible anyway uh after ve day they started um taking applications for if you wanted to go to the west coast because the pacific war was still on and uh, of course i signed up everybody did and we all got our shots malaria and all that stuff terrible and they were have that again and uh, um but then they realized they didn't need them you know I mean there was there were a lot of troops there 
and they started sending people home. And you'd look on the list to see if your name was on and when you were going. And first of all, the troop ships were coming in and they were asking for volunteers to go down to the troop ships to take messages to be sent to the people that they were coming home to, like arriving such and such a date and they'd be going to all the little towns all across Canada and cities. I volunteered for that, but Mr. Wilde said, oh, you're too busy here. I mean, there's still too many ships. And there were submarines surrendering. And when a submarine surrendered, they came, they um, came up and they surfaced and then they would send a message and fly a white flag and they'd wait and we'd send ships out or the Navy sent ships out and we would send aircraft out too, just in case it was a trap of some kind. And they would be escorted in and they brought some into Halifax. Some of the girls went down to see the subs. I never did. I just didn't want to see them. I just didn't. <laughs> and um, I did manage to get on the uh, pier when one of the big ships came in, either the Mary or the Elizabeth, and uh, see it come in being tugged in. And it was that was really exciting with all the fireboats in the harbor shooting their fire and uh, their water up in arches in front of the ship as it came in and the tugboat pushing it up against the dock. And the ship was just loaded with uniformed guys waving and cheering and yelling and some of them crying and uh, most of the people on the dock crying <laughs> you know the guys were back I'm glad I did that at least once I didn't think I wanted to do it again um, unless I was going to be working but the girls who did the work said it was hard work you know that they were working and writing as fast as they could uh, anyway, then most of the girls were then being sent home. And I guess by, um, it was VJ Day, and we were almost, like almost all the operations girls had gone. Few of the wireless girls were still around, and, and all the clerks were still um, working on the papers of the people that were being sent home. But it was the barrack blocks were getting empty. Like maybe instead of having 20 girls in my room, I would have six. And it was lonesome. It was really lonesome. And especially the girls that you knew were being sent home and you weren't going to see them ever again. And you were always hugging and kissing somebody goodbye and saying right to me knowing they wouldn't. And, you know, it got to be lonesome and sad. Anyway, uh on one of our shifts, and I think we were down to about half shift then, uh, I got we got one of those other knocks on the window from upstairs. <laughs> and uh, um, I we all looked up, and it was still the same wing commander, Dewar, and he waved at Mary Kuby, who was the sergeant on shift, and me to come up. So we thought, well, he wants something special done. He came, we went up, and he said, 
the war room is going to be closed because the shipping is pretty well over and, you know, the shipping that's coming doesn't need any support anymore. There are no more submarines out there that we could get, find and, and uh, the Germans have all surrendered. So, but he said, and so the war room will be effectively closed on such and such a date. And he said, I've asked, uh, talked this over with Mr. Wilde and he thinks it's a good idea squadron leader wild he thinks it's a good idea that i would keep two air women and the intelligence officer and we're going to do go through the files and do the highlights of what's happened within from this room's point of view to be put in the records in, in ottawa and now this is the part i want you to understand I only want two, and I want you two. And if you don't do it, I'm sure somebody else will, because this is what's going to happen. I only need one girl. But I've asked for two in case one of you gets sick or one of you gets called home. He said, I'm, but only one girl is to show up at a time. I don't care how you work it. You can do one day on, one day off. One week on, one week off, two off, two days off. But don't show up around this building when you're not working. Find something else to do. Well, you know, that sounded wonderful, but it got to be terrible. I mean, Mary and I worked it, but we figured three days on and three days off was better than one week on and one week off because after a week, I mean, how many shows could you go to see and... And uh, all the churches that had had nice tea rooms and everything were closing down. The Y was still open. I used to hang out there with Mrs. Taylor. That was that lady's name. Uh, a lot, you know, and just shoot the breeze with her and read and uh, sleep a lot. <laughs> and uh, there weren't as many dances. And um, I went to a lot. I saw a lot of movies twice. The Bells of St. Mary's, I could almost tell you the whole thing. <laughs> but um, the guys were dating still. I mean, you could still, you know, be walking down the street and a soldier or a couple of sailors would be walking towards you and they'd stop you on the street and say, you know, are you still going to be here for a while? Yeah. What are you doing tonight? Do you want to go to the show or do you want to go out to supper? They wanted to talk to a woman. You know, I they were think they were sick of talking to guys. And most of them were on their way home to, and they wanted to show you pictures of their kids and their wives or their girlfriends. And that was nice. And I never felt that I was in any trouble or anything, you know. Then I guess we were just about finished. We weren't really doing very much. I mean, it was mostly just finding stuff in the files and making sure everything was in order and the intelligence officer and the wing commander were up there. Oh, and there was no shift work. It was just daytime. And then I got a letter from my mother. And somebody had taken the stamp off. It was a special delivery letter. And there was just the devil to pay that somebody had stolen a special delivery stamp off. There was a full investigation. I had to go and say yes my mother had put a special delivery on it but and i that is how i received the letter 
but it was somebody who had, was in the mail thing and was saving stamps, and this was special. But she wrote me this long, sad story about how she had to have an operation, and uh, she needed somebody home to look after the two younger children, and she really needed me, and the doctor wanted me to come home. Well, I was okay with that. You know, I was, I'd had it by then. I wanted to go home. And uh, I went home. My mother never had the operation. She didn't need an operation. <laughs> she had a trained doctor. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what else I could tell you. It's just, I, I hadn't really officially been discharged. They asked you where you wanted to be discharged. And I wanted to be discharged in Winnipeg. Like, and when I went to be discharged, it was out at one of the Air Force stations out near the airport here. And what do you know, there's a boy I'd gone to school with again. <laughs> and uh, he had just come back from overseas. He was a flight lieutenant or something. He, he'd done very well. And uh, I went out with him a couple of times. And, uh, but it was, seemed so funny to not be in uniform anymore and to be wearing civilian clothes. So I went back to get my old job. And, you know, after being away two years and so on, um, he offered me, I said, well, I'd like to have a raise if I come back to work here. And he gave me a raise of 25 cents a week. And I really didn't think very much of that. So I went back to the Air Force who had, they had a big office where you went if you needed help, like what you wanted to do. And they would either send you to university and give you $70 a month while you went. And that's how there are so many lawyers and doctors and stuff around my age because they took advantage of that and went to university. I went to business college, and I was almost finished business college, and the teacher said she had a friend working in Great West Life who was looking for a girl to work, and preferably somebody who'd been in the service, and she said she had just the girl, so she sent me, and I went to work at the Great West Life, which I hated, and applied for a job, which I thought was CJOB, and it wasn't. It was the CBC, and I loved that. And that was the end of the war for me.